When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. She said, okay. She goes, it's okay to tell God that you're tired and that you need out. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Garling. Do you want to tell the people who we are? I sure, I always say I sure do, and I hate that I say that. But we are best friends of over 20 years. We went to high school together, and we've both been through our fair share of trauma. So we thought we'd start a podcast and interview people with interesting stories to share. Yes. What's something interesting about you? I stumped you this week. I said our topic should be if you had a talent or a skill a natural talent or skill that you didn't, that you don't have, what would it be? And mine is that I wish I could sing and sing good. Sing like somebody on TikTok discovers me and I have an album coming out. Okay. I like that. Yeah. You stumped me. I don't natural skill would be to be coordinated enough to be a dancer or like a fitness coach or something like that. Oh, interesting. I cannot picture you teaching like a body pump class or like a step class. Like Challenge only be accepted. <laughs> like I feel like you would have too much attitude with the stupid people in class. Oh, probably. Yeah. But I could be known as like the bitchy body pump class person and then maybe people yeah. would like that. Yeah. There's an audience it would motivate for everybody. them to not be stupid. Yeah. Tell me about your week. It sounds like it went really great. Does it? You tell me. My week was not great. I had sick kids again, and I'm sure our listeners are tired of hearing about it, but let me tell you, I am more tired. My oldest were sick again, and it ended in having to be in urgent care yesterday for four and a half hours with my 11-year-old who ended up with an ear infection. We tried to go to our doctor earlier in the day at 11 o'clock because they do walk in. I walked in, I'm like, oh, the waiting room is empty. But their day was already so full that they could not accept any walk-ins. And it was like 11 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we'll go home. We'll try Tylenol. We'll try drops. Like I had heard that waiting rooms were like seven plus hours long because everybody's sick. I didn't really want to have to do that on a Saturday when I have four children at home that I don't really want to leave at home for that length of time. But Tylenol didn't work, eardrops didn't work, and she was just in so much pain. And I've had ear infections, and I remember just being like 30 with an ear infection and crying because it hurt so bad. We went to the urgent care. Before we got there, it said the wait was just under two hours. When we got there, the wait was three and a half hours. Yeah. While we were waiting, it got up to almost five hours. Halfway through, so she had been given Tylenol when we got there, and it stopped hurting. And she didn't have a fever. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just an earache. I'll just give you Tylenol if it pops up again. Let's go talk to the nurse and see if we can leave. The nurse was like, she really should be seen. Like she could have an ear infection and you don't want that to turn into, you know, turn worse. Yeah. I was like, okay. So we sat back down. We waited for probably another two and a half hours. And at 8.30, I was like, okay, by 8.45, if we don't get seen, we got to go. Like, My kids were at home. They hadn't eaten dinner. Like it was just too long to be away. 
and we get called at 8.35. So we go back there and Julia's like, I don't even think it's going to be anything. And of course he looks in it. He's like, oh no, that's like a super bad ear infection. So I'm like, okay, glad we stayed. But holy cow, that took, that was a lot. Was it mostly kids in the waiting room? No, actually there, there were some kids, but there were quite a few like adults, older people. Some people who'd come in by ambulance. Yeah, my boss had to take his kiddo to, they went to the children's hospital for Mm. a similar issue. Mm -hmm. And I think he said they got there at 6 p.m. And it was 5 a.m. before they were seen by a doctor. Oh, my God. And he said it was like apocalyptic. Like the whole waiting room was just full of sick children. It's crazy right now. I've gotten emails from both of my kids' schools that we haven't influenza outbreak and an rsv outbreak yeah in both of the schools it's crazy so she had to take antibiotics and i asked if we could get the liquid and he's like the liquid is really hard to get right now so can she swallow a pill so it's like okay we'll try to make it work but she has never successfully swallowed a pill before i go get the antibiotics last night i look at them they're huge yeah they look like horse pills i was like how and does she have to take them like three times a day three times a day it took her i just got a text from my friend who has my kids right now and she finally took her first pill what if you cut it into six tiny pieces it's the capsules so there's powder oh it's not oh i thought it was like a compressed pill i think now that she's finally got the first one down i'm hoping that the next ones are more successful but Yeah. yeah other than that i got really crappy news at work on friday that led me to crying in my car Driving to a store, picking up two cheesecakes, coming home, and having an angry nap. Like, did you but eat the cheesecakes first or after? Both. <laughs> okay. Like a pre-nap cheesecake and a yeah. post-nap cheesecake. Yeah. I like that. I like that stream of thought. Yeah, not the best week, but how about you? I think it was fine. It was my birthday last Sunday, and it really oh. dawned on me that it was my first birthday since my dad died. I think we talked about that last week, so I won't bore everybody with more detail. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just, I don't know, just like a humdrum week. We just... Yeah, heads down and did the work. I decorated or I organized my recording space slash our office. And so I got these curtains from somebody off of Facebook. I was going to say, if you're listening, thanks. Uh, 10 bucks for four panels. And so, yeah, I've got curtains on the windows, curtains on our janky closet. What is that picture behind your head? Oh, it's a a board. Right. Yeah. So then Lindsay's mom, Barb, gave us this like cork board. And whiteboard combo. And because what I realized is when I'm, we record and videos on, and the background was always just like a bunch of storage boxes. And like, yeah. you know, the office is like the room where you move into a house and you need a space to put things that you don't know where to put them. Oh, yeah. We haven't decided yet. Put it in the office. I don't know. Yeah. Put it in the office. We'll organize it later. Put it in the And this is yeah. a very, the smallest room in the house. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I was like, okay, we need to organize this. And I painted the walls and yeah, I just made it like a little more organized. I still have boxes like all right here, but I'm going through them and getting rid of a bunch of stuff. It's like turning out nice. It's like a nice little project. Yeah. It's really cute. I like it. Yeah. And I had the candle you got me for my birthday is blowing. How does it smell? It smells really nice. You might even say it. it smells like citron pine and balsam oh if i, I like had that. to if i had to name if you a, had to guess yeah for any i know this is not a visual medium guess. i just yeah i just looked at the bottom of the candle <laughs> i thought that there was something funny that i wanted to say but i also have a migraine i like woke up with a horrible headache I can't take Advil on an empty stomach, so I took Tylenol and waited to be hungry to eat. Like, I guess I should have just had a piece of bread or something. So then I like made breakfast, but then at that point, my headache was really bad. So then I took Advil and Tylenol. Okay. And then I've been like chugging water and coffee, which normally help. But I think we're supposed, oh, the weather we're supposed to get, it's supposed to be minus 42 Celsius with the wind chill by Thursday. Oh my God. Yeah, and the last time I looked outside, it's snowing. It's it was cold. snowing. Yeah, that'll probably that would probably explain the headache. Yeah, I like. I think that's what it is, and it's just uh-huh. one. Like, am I gonna vomit? Am I not? Stay tuned. We better wrap this up so you can go lay down or something. I know, but then I feel lazy. I'm like, I it's I'm just a walking contradiction. I did have a nap on Wednesday, and then I texted my friend about how much of a piece of crap I felt for napping, and she was like, "Napping is productive. You need to nap." Like when your body needs it, 
do not nap shame. So I'm telling you, do not nap shame. Yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I won't. No Hashtag nap shaming no nap here. Shame. Preach. But we have a Patreon. I was going to say, I'm waiting for the seg- segue. How are we going to do this? I know. Should we do one of our classic? We got a letter in it from... It was typed. A type. by a pigeon. It's very bizarre. <laughs> um, yeah. And it says yeah. it's from Ken. He's writing in from Montana. And he said, ladies, I can't get enough of you. I want to support the work that you do. And I want to hear more about you. How can this happen? Well, Ken, who is now the reason that I have a new pet pigeon, you can join our Patreon by going to patreon.com. I did not sign up for this. And if you don't know what a Patreon is, it is a monthly subscription where you can, you can pay us if you really (laughs) We, yeah, we, we will allow it. And you get bonus episodes. You get two bonus episodes a month. You get instant access to all of our back episodes, which is over 60. Depending on what tier you're in, you will get entered into draws. You can get percentage off our merch. You get a video from our yeah. Wet Wednesday once a yeah. month video where it's audio and video of us just talking about all sorts of things. And really this is so this episode comes out. I was just looking at the date. Tomorrow's the 28th, so this comes out on the 29th, and on the 30th, all active patron members, so anybody who's a patron by the 30th, gets entered into a draw for a free reading with a medium named Lisa, who was a guest mm-hmm. on our show. Yes. And that's like a little bonus, so if you hustle, put press pause, go sign up, you get entered into a draw, and then you also, if you sign up this week... You get, we're going to end up delaying it by a week, but we're going to have an episode where we talk about basically what a walking contradiction we are. Like things that drive us crazy, things that irrationally embarrass us. I think it'll be really funny. And then the next week you get an episode of Wet Wednesday if you're at the third tier called The Ultimate Sufti. Yes. And that is with our friends, the Common Mystics. Oh, God, love them who are hilarious and amazing. And we talked about the differences between Canadians and Americans. Yeah. You know what we should have done before this episode? So this week's episode is with Emily, who owns Mm -hmm. M's Bakery and Catering Mm -hmm. in North Carolina. But they are really well known for homemade Pop-Tarts. I don't know the logistics of it, but I think we should have ordered them so that we could talk about them. Why don't we order them and we could do like a little bonus video about them? Like even just on Instagram or something of us trying them. Now, do you toast your Pop-Tart or do you eat it? untoasted not a psychopath so i obviously toast it <laughs> thank you <laughs> and are you like more it... of the fruit pop tart or the chocolatey pop tart so i think i'm an equal opportunity pop tartist okay nice nice <laughs> but i prefer the toaster strudels that are fruit filled okay okay i think i prefer the pop tarts that have like chocolate i am almost strictly a s'mores pop tart person Oh, interesting. I didn't even know that you still ate them. Are you supposed to stop eating them at a certain age? Or I got a letter from the Pop-Tart company when I turned 18 that said, no more. You're cut off. <laughs> Until you find a place that does add, like homemade Pop-Tarts. Okay, okay. I disregarded that letter and I do occasionally eat a Pop-Tart. Like I immediately right now want to go to the store and get both a Pop-Tart and a toaster strudel do it or just go to bed because you have a I know I have a terrible headache so (laughs) I think in saying that I hope everybody has a great week me too and doesn't have a headache yes and doesn't live somewhere that is minus 40 celsius with the wind chill oh I'm so upset that you told me about that because I did not look at the weather (laughs) yeah it's not great all right let's get into this week's episode okay okay bye bye hello Emma hello how are you good how are you Good. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my, oh my gosh. We're thank you. So excited. I messaged you on TikTok and I was so nervous and you were like, oh, I've actually heard of you. And I fell to the floor and was like, stop it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I've listened to this podcast. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Normally I have to sell it and be like, yeah. here's what we are. Here's what we do. Hope that they are willing to listen to us. So thank you so much for being on our oh, little yeah. podcast. We're so excited. 
I'm super excited. We had a couple of people send us your video. It was one of those put a hand down if you ever. So I got it a few times. I'm like, oh my God, I better watch this. Yeah. And your story is incredible. Yeah. So I was, when I made that video, I was literally sitting in the Food Lion parking lot and I was like, this will be funny because literally no one has gone through this. It's too much. Yeah. And it's, barely scraping the surface of what last year was I left out so much my mom oh my god so much you're like yeah but I can't record a 20 minute TikTok (laughs) I know I try to tell this whole story it's gonna be like 18 parts oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny why don't we start with introduce yourself tell us like a little bit about who you are and then we'll find out where your story starts yeah. So my name is Emma and I am a chef and a mom and a small business owner. And I live in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina. And I own a cafe and a catering company. So catering is our main gig. It's wedding season. So it's been just like up to our eyeballs and wedding. Everyone that couldn't get married during COVID is getting married this year. Been like a fall of celebration, which is really fun. And then the cafe does like pastries and sandwiches and soups. We're best known for our homemade Pop-Tarts. They're phenomenal. Yeah, we make this pumpkin cheesecake Pop-Tart that is so good. If I don't have them in the fall, people are like, excuse me, where are (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so I love it. I've worked in kitchens for a long time and having my own is just a dream come true. That's so nice. Yeah. I guess, where does your story start? Gee, I'll start April 28th of 2021. I opened the cafe. You dream come true. A big career moment for me. I'm 30. I've opened a restaurant. I can't believe it. I'm stressed to death. And exactly one week later, my then husband came home and he said, gosh, I have a headache. But he had headaches all the time. So I was like, take some Upsadra and then go to bed. Yeah. yeah. And we had just been really busy opening up the cafe and we hadn't really seen much of each other. And so we spent the evening just hanging out, kept complaining about his head. And I was like, we should just go to bed early. We did. And we were married people that night. <laughs> and afterwards, he's like, my head hurts worse. And I was like, oh, no. That's weird. You really need to sleep this off. I got in like a hot conference and we went to bed. That was probably like 1030 at night. I will never forget this. At 457, I heard him get up and go use the bathroom. And I know it was 457 because I looked at my phone and I was like, 457, we're still tired of sleep. Like, why is he out of bed? Then he came back into our room and he slammed the door shut. And I thought, that's really weird. He's going to wake up the baby. Yeah. So I said, what's wrong? I was so groggy and he didn't answer. And so then I sat up and I was like, what's wrong? And he turned around and he just fell and started having what looked like a grand mal seizure. So his body was convulsing. The left side of his body was completely stiff and his eyes were rolling back in his head. So before I was even out of bed, I was, I was one. Like it was very clear something was wrong right away. And we live in a we lived in a tiny little community and the fire department in EMS was right at the end of our street, oh, which wow. is a, a huge miracle. And the 911 operator talked me through getting him up onto the bed because his body was so stiff, I couldn't get him down onto the floor. He had fallen kind of over the bed, but not all the way on it. And they were concerned about him hitting his head or whatever with a seizure you're supposed to try to get him. So we got, I got him up onto the bed. I ran and I unlocked the door for the paramedics. And then I ran back, still on the phone with the 911 operator. She's saying, like, the fire department's on their way. We're going to help. I remember saying, I don't have any pants on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You've seen it all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I was just having these out of body Mm -hmm. knocking thoughts. Like, they're going to wake up the kid. Yeah. Kids are coming like, like, on sirens blaring this is the time to wake up the kids yeah they got there in record time it took them about six minutes i think paramedics hooked them up to all of the i don't know electrodes i'm not sure what they yeah the EKG stuff yeah yeah and um, they gave him a shot to help stop the seizure and it did 
absolutely nothing. And then the paramedic said, does he have a heart condition? And I said, nope. And she said, he's having a heart attack. And I was oh like, my- no, what are you talking about? He's yeah. having a se- and see that he's having a seizure. Yeah. And she's like, we got to go. And they got him on a gurney and out the door in three minutes, I think, was the total amount of time they were in the house. One of the firemen went and got my little boys up. And I was like, get your shoes on, get in the car. Daddy's a little sick. You need to help mommy. And I had grabbed the baby at some point because I'd heard her fussing. I don't remember when. So I just had her in my arms and was ushered out to my hospital by the fireman. And they were like, don't feed, but go to the big hospital. And I was like, I'm getting a speed. Yeah. yeah. And sorry, you had all your kids with you? Yeah. So at the time where we lived was about 45 minutes from the rest of my family and on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. So it was like, the kids are coming with me. Yeah. I could, don't have anywhere I can just drop them off. I didn't know my neighbors well enough to be like, knock. <laughs> yeah, here's my kids. So I called my mom first and I was like, mom, Steve's having a heart attack and seizures. You need to come to the hospital. She's dentist late. She is a planner like me. So her first thought was, but I signed up for a conference today. She's, <laughs> I have to go to my conference. I just yelled at her like, <laughs> that woke my dad up. And he was like, we're on it. Whatever it is, we've got it. Uh-huh. And so they had started heading to meet me at the hospital. And I called his mom. And it's 5.04 now really early she sent a voicemail oh Um, no (laughs) i texted her i said cheryl it is clearly an emergency yeah answer your phone so she called me back and she's immediately in tears before i can even talk and i said it's steve and we're on our way to the hospital and he's having a heart attack and i don't know what's going on but i think you need to come and she said okay and then she said do you want me to wait and see until we have more information and i just knew I said I don't think you should wait I think you should come get on a plane this morning because even if he's okay it's going to be a long road to recovery heart attacks are serious yeah and so she started planning that I got to the hospital they pretty much took me back immediately my parents were there around the same time I was I handed them my children I was like I'll call you later and when I got back there he was already down at CT and the doctor came in and he said, was there a history of stroke? Is there a history of heart attack? Is there blood clotting disorders? All the things. I'm like, nope, he's been healthy, perfectly healthy. I said, last year, he had some headaches. We went and had an MRI. There were a couple little spots on his brain. Nothing to be concerned about. I said, okay. They brought him back up. He's still seizing and like completely unresponsive to any treatment. He doesn't recognize my voice. He's thrashing and it was terrifying to see you just feel so hopeless and helpless what am I supposed to do in this situation I yeah. and the nurses were physically holding him down so he didn't hurt himself and then an anesthesiologist came in and fully stated him and they said we need to take him back to CT because the only got was blurry and I was like but, um, and while he was gone this robot with a tv screen on it rolled into the room the TV screen lights up and there's a man in it. And he says, hi, my name's Dr. Whatever. I'm from Rutgers. I just got your husband's scans and he is having a stroke. The clot extends from the back of his right ear up to his right eye. It's massive. Whoa. He's coming back up now. They're going to prep him for surgery and he's going to go. The surgeon is on her way in. You're not going to meet her. And I said, okay, what are the, what's, like the prognosis uh, concerns yeah exactly and he said if we don't go right now he will die okay go at that point a pastor like materialized (laughs) very very futuristic hospital (laughs) (laughs) this man kind of i'm just gonna hang out with you and i was like why Still in the ER and I'm still in an ER like mindset, which is this is all going to take some time and they'll see you when they see you. Yeah. There's always a more emergent case. I've never been the more emergent case. So it was all very disarming. And then they brought Steve back in for two minutes long enough to remove his personal possessions. They handed me his ring. Pastor was great. She needs a chance to kiss him and say bye. You need to tell him that you love him. And I was like, okay. 
And I did. And then he was just gone. And uh, I got walked to a waiting room and I was there by myself for about an hour and a half, just sobbing, like full tears streaming down my face. I could not stop crying. And I was rationalizing everything in my head. He blocked strokes all the time. And they recover from strokes all the time. And maybe his face is going to droop a little bit, but I don't care. Maybe he might need to relearn how to talk, but I don't care. It never once entered my mind that he could be paralyzed or die. Not once. Wow. I just, like, our life is going to look really different and that's going to be hard. It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. People survive all the time. It was just me and then one older man in like his 70s waiting for his wife who was in surgery. I know because I listened on their phone calls. And I'm sobbing and he's just sitting there with his paper like halfway up over his face, like clearly still looking at me, saying nothing. And I remember thinking, why aren't you asking if I'm okay? Yeah. (laughs) I'm clearly not okay here. Yeah. Sitting there. And it was not his responsibility. And she did not know me. It's (laughs) owe me anything. But I just remember being like mad at this man. (laughs) And then I had called my mom and told her. And my sister-in-law called me and she said, I'm going to come to the hospital and sit with you. And I said, oh, it's okay. You have kids. I don't want you to have to rearrange your day. And she's like, no, this is one where you rearrange your day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then my mom texted and said she was on her way. And I was like, oh, but your conference. And also, who has my children? And she said, your kids are with your brother. I canceled the conference. This takes priority. And I was like, okay. I still was thinking everyone's overreacting. It's mm-hmm. going to be. Okay. And she got there and she had everything you can think of in her little tiny duffel bag. She had like blankets and water bottles and ibuprofen and bone shirt. I called it her morbid Mary Poppins bag. She had snacks. <laughs> Why do you have all this stuff? And also how does it fit in that bag? Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I've done this a few times. <laughs> I've been my gla- his glasses and his phone. And that was, <laughs> yeah. I was, oh, and he wakes up, he's going to want his phone. Yeah. <laughs> and I deal with, stress and trauma through humor and so I kept trying to crack jokes and everyone was like too soon <laughs> it's okay to just be in shock and yeah it's okay okay I can um, relate to that I was cracking jokes because my husband passed away well, for almost four years ago and I was cracking jokes like in the limo on the way to the burial yeah and I don't know how to handle anything without humor yeah I'm the same so yeah. the dark had told me when he went to surgery, I said, how did, what happened? Like, how is he having a stroke? And he said, he could have had an aneurysm in his brain, like a blood vessel that burst. Sometimes all it takes is like a little hit or a little jolt. Wow. And I was like, oh, I went to meet him. So I said that to him. Because I have no bound. Yeah. <laughs> honey, and also no. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so I was trying to cope. It's humor. Nobody else thought I was as funny as I thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> I got a call halfway through the doctor. She was amazing. I've been in the workforce for a long time. And I've never experienced a woman walking into the room and everyone shutting up and listening to what she had to say. And yeah. the entire was in the ICU and she would walk in, everyone would defer to her. And yeah. it was really cool to see. But she called and said, what had happened was his carotid artery had dissected and was throwing blood into his brain. And she was unable to patch it. And so the only thing she could do was to clamp off the carotid artery, which would mean there would be no blood flow to the right side of his brain, which would leave him permanently paralyzed on the left side of his body in a wheelchair. And it would harm some of his cognitive and emotional function, his ability to filter out sound and light and stimulants but he would be alive he would eat he would be himself she said which was not as accurate as i think she hoped it would be and he would be able to engage in the world around him and we had just done living wills like a month and a half before and i knew that he would be okay in a wheelchair but he would not be okay if he couldn't like see himself and talk those kinds of things and so i said okay then we clamp it off and we keep going because we haven't reached a parameter that he would not want yet right and so at that point i knew here's the prognosis we're looking at here's our long term but she was still saying if he survives 
couldn't even. When he got to the ICU doctor, was like minute by minute. We're not in hour by hour. We're not in day by day. We're in minute by minute. And it was that way for a long time. It was probably two and a half weeks before he was to a place where they were saying, okay, we're day by day now. He went through everything that could go wrong. His liver shutting down, his kidneys, he had pneumonia, like all the things that can go wrong. And he just survived. He just kept surviving. I got to a point where I was like, he's on all the meds. He's on dialysis. He's on liver enzymes. He's getting full vent. We maxed out. We're not doing one more thing. This is it. If he doesn't survive this, he wasn't meant to. And the doctor said, can you give me 24 hours? I just want to help. I think I can do some more things. Give me 24 hours. And I said, okay. And he didn't leave his side. He stayed with him that whole 24 hours and he adjusted meds and he adjusted the vent and he just worked and worked and that was the turning point. He's come out of the coma. He started to speak. He started to recognize what was going on around him. At that point, it became pretty clear he's going to survive. He's not going to thrive. It's going to take a long time before we get to thriving, but he's going to survive. And I was so happy, grateful. I felt really blessed. I knew our life was going to look different. But I was willing to do the work. Like, okay, so daddy's in a wheelchair now. That's what our life looks like. That's just our new normal. The kids came to visit him at the hospital. Obviously, it was still like during the pandemic. So any visits would have to be outside. So they were very hard to coordinate. So we didn't do them very often. But they gave Steve the pet that he needed to get better. And then insurance gets to decide a lot of what your care looks like. And so they needed him to meet certain thresholds once he got to recovery, once he was in the rehab center of recovery, continuing to get better by leaps. It couldn't be little steps. It had to be big leaps every check-in. And so when he started not meeting those thresholds, insurance said, this guy's not going to get better. He's not going to get any better than this. So we're not going to pay. And the doctors fought it and I fought it and there's nothing you can do. And to keep him in on my young dime would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars that I don't have. Yeah. And if I'm looking back on it, honestly, with 2020 vision, he wasn't making great progress and he was not working hard. He was doing the bare minimum, but he'd had a stroke. So you blame it on that. What cognitively is he capable of? So he ideally would have stayed for six months. They kept him for almost seven weeks oh, and they, they transferred him to outpatient therapy, but that instead of it be three hours of physical therapy every day, it's an hour of physical therapy twice a week, which when you're in the beginning stages of recovery from a stroke, you need as much therapy as you get, especially mm-hmm. yeah. while all of this was going on, the doctor that had saved his life had said, you should look into genetic testing to figure out why this stroke happened. Because he has scarring on every single vessel in his neck. And he has three more aneurysms. So one on the carotid and one on each vena. And she was like, I don't know what it is, but there's there's four options for you. A buffet of terrible. Yeah. And so the insurance said, we will cover the genetic testing. If it comes back that he's, and it's curable, then we'll keep paying therapy and we'll also treats whatever genetic conditions come back and hopefully that will get him into a better place. But when it came back as something called vascular Ehlers-Danlos and it's a genetic mutation where your body does not create the collagen that holds your arteries and organs together. And so they rupture. So it would traditionally present as heart disease. And so on his dad's side of the family, all of the men have died young of heart disease. Wow. in their late 50s or in the 60s. And it was probably, we know now, this condition. But if you just have a heart attack, which looks like a heart yeah. attack, then right, you're not right. begin to it further. Right. So because- when you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. 
Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Differently as a stroke, it caused them to look into it deeper. And since then, eight members of his family have tested positive for this. There's only 30,000 confirmed cases in the world. So to have eight pop up so quickly cleveland clinic was like salivating they were all over it oh my god yeah so is it something that can be maintained with like medication no not at this point so i had the kids tested at the same time because i was like if he's positive there's a 50 percent chance of passing it on with each pregnancy and they all came back positive and so we are now under the care at dean and there's medicines that they can take that will hopefully help, but there is nothing curative and nothing preventative. And there's things we can do. Don't play high impact sports. Right. Or keep your blood pressure low. But there's nothing as of now that would be curative. And it's not like people are like, oh, just give them a collagen supplement. Well, their body wouldn't right. know what to do with it. Their right. body would be like, what is that? Yeah. 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 Let's get like rid of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a simple condition. It's heartbreaking that all three of them have it at this age when they're so little. It's yeah. hard to just be like, we can't. Our family doesn't. I right. don't. Right. We do swimming, but it will get harder as they get older. It typically starts presenting in your early 20s. So hopefully, I'm just praying that by the time we get there in 20 years, there's medicines come a long way. Yeah. And science moves so quickly, or it can that yeah. there's a really good chance that there is some sort of solution or treatment. Exactly. That's my prayer is that there's a fix for this in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So now your husband comes home after seven weeks. Yeah. What does that look like? A disaster. So <laughs> we didn't have a ramp. We didn't. I had to part of the house completely demoed because the doors weren't wide enough. Yeah. Um, we had to get a new shower put in. And I was working this brand new cafe and all these catering clients, keeping three kids alive, paying bills, paying all these new medical bills. And so I called his oh best my God. and I was like, listen, his best friend is single, was single, lived alone and worked a job that he didn't love. And so yeah. I will pay you to move in and help because yeah. I cannot be this by myself and she- 24 7 care he very graciously gave up his life and moved in with us and took on our chaos he was very grounding for me i needed someone that i could be like this is bronkers right this is banana yeah and what level of care did he need he was in a wheelchair but completely immobile on his own so anytime he needed to be moved he needed help he could feed himself, but only if everything was already cut. He could not dress himself or go to the bathroom by himself. He struggled to get around in the wheelchair. So we would move him around where he needed to go. Part of the stroke, when you lose the right side of your brain, you forget that you have a left side of your world. He would forget that the left side existed and that would scare oh. If you came up on his left side or if there was a noise on his left side, it would scare him and he'd have panic attacks because of it. And so there was a lot of adjusting to the mental disabilities that came with the physical disability. Biggest one was the inability to filter out anything. And so the kids would just be kids, making noise, playing games, having a good time, and it would enrage him. And we were doing our best. We were walking on eggshells. There was a lot of kids outside there was a lot of hey Steve you're gonna go to an hour in the bedroom quietly 
trying our best. And we were talking with his therapists and with the social workers and saying things at home are not going well. Kids are tense. Everything's tense. He's angry all the time. He was very angry at me. He felt like I had kept him alive and then I hadn't resuscitated. He was certain. And you can say as much as you want, that didn't happen. You never left, but he didn't have the ability to comprehend it. He also had just wanted to be home. And as soon as he got home, he was like, oh, good, I'm done then. And just wanted to sit back and not do anything else. And so that made life really difficult because we would have to be like, you you need to do your exercises. You need to be moving. You can go get yourself a drink. You can go get yourself you know, that book you want. And he yeah. would just yell, oh, I'm exhausted. My body hurts. You need to do this. Uh, he would throw books at me and spit at us. And Tim took a lot of physical abuse because of just the anger that Steve had and stored up in him. Was he completely a different person before all this happened? No. I think before he had had the ability to stop himself from saying the angry and ugly things he was thinking, he had been pretty angry for a long time. Never physically abusive towards me. I want to be very, like the kids and I were not in a dangerous place before the stroke. But he was very emotional and abusive towards me and financially abusive towards me. I have an entire cafe because he couldn't work enough to provide even something towards the bills. So I was always in a position where I was working more and trying to take on more and more clients. Yeah, I am not about that. I love what I do. Looking back, I'm like, oh, I was put in that position. Right. Like I would have chosen to stay home with my three-week-old rather than work an event. Yeah. That would have been my choice, but the mortgage was due. The tipping point came when I had to work an event one night and the best friend had taken the kids to play outside, but our then four-year-old had gone back inside to get himself a popsicle. Steve flipped out at him. We don't know why. We don't know what happened, but he was within arm's reach. And so he grabbed the four-year-old and he really hurt him. By the time the best was able to get back in he had dislocated his wrist and broken a rib and he was bruised all up and down his side and it was two minutes it it was not long at all the the gun strand had looked inside and been like whoa and run in and so we had already been working on getting him back into inpatient rehab Insurance had said they would pay for two more weeks. And like, well, we'll take better than zero weeks. But so, yeah. So the next morning, he was going back into the hospital anyway. But I took the four year old to the pediatrician and I told him what had happened. I said, I'm going to call CPS. I'm not doing this because I think you were negligent in any way, but you need the paperwork. So, yeah. you right. Don't send this guy home. Right. Yeah. And so, in that case, CPS was actually really helpful. For my family and I feel like they did the job that they were intended to do, which was putting parameters in place to keep the children safe. And so once they had come in and made a judgment that he just couldn't come back into the home, I already had made up my mind that he wasn't coming back into the home. So I had started looking for facilities that would take him. I looked and looked and looked where I live. I called probably 50 different facilities. Oh, we don't take anyone that young. Oh, we don't take anyone with that disability. We're completely full up and we have a wait list. Sure, but it's $8,000 a month. Oh my God. I was like, how can I not find? I just need one. Yeah. And I was searching. I was was an hour and a half out radius. Yeah. That's not helpful because I'd have to travel an hour and a half. So I called his parents who live in pretty rural Pennsylvania. And I was like, help. Please come help me. And they called one facility. It was seven minutes up the road from them. They had an opening. They would take him for his disability benefit. They could take him as soon as he got done with inpatient rehab. And his parents could come and visit him and take him out, be with him as much as they wanted. And so he was going to get visited more. Then yeah. if he had stayed near us, because I had CPS have put really strict parameters around how the kids could see him and for how long. And so we were limited to about an hour a week. What was the impact like emotionally to your kiddo who was hurt? I called him my little ball of anger all last year. Everything just set him off. He would yeah. go from angry 
over nothing, the littlest things. He did not want to leave my side. He didn't want to go to school. He didn't want to go to friends' houses. I enrolled him and his older brother, who had seen everything through the window, in a horse therapy group that deals with trauma and grief. And so that has been immensely powerful. He has horse that was also hurt by its owner that had been rescued clings to this horse. And this horse is massive and he's tiny. He's so good with them. So seeing a little bit of ceiling right about a year out now has been really sweet. Because there was a while there that I was like, oh, I lost my twin. Oh, oh, that's so sad. He's starting to peek back here and there. Yeah. And so he does not like to go visit his dad. And I don't push it. Absolutely. There's a lot to do. The two-year-old, she was one when all of this happened. So she doesn't really remember a life with her dad at home. So it's really just my oldest that that struggled with him being out of the house. He took it the hardest. Yeah. And still does. He's really close with his dad. But just because of how everything has unfolded in the last year, his dad hasn't called since probably Mark. So that relationship has started to deteriorate. I've made an effort. Hey, y'all, he hasn't talked to his kids in six weeks. There yeah. needs to be a conversation soon, but that's me initiating it. Did he know that he hurt his kid? Did he have regret or remorse? He was not remorseful about it. He kept calling it a spanking. And I was like, we don't spank. Yeah. That's not a thing we've ever done. Yeah. Why would you do it now? And he kept saying, the kids are treating my best friend like their dad. And I'm just trying to step back into my role as dad. And I was like, their role as dad is never to hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. My God. That's my role. So there was a lot of just depression and anger. The disability portion of it is so hard because I can't comprehend it Mm because it's not body and i know he was dealing with depression but he wouldn't talk to anyone about it i know he was angry but he wouldn't talk to anyone about it and so it ended up just him lashing out which just sucked it was hard to watch and hard to be the recipient of i was trying to face for everyone everyone he spit on me this morning before we came here right yeah yeah even now just today at church i had someone how's your husband and you can't be like nothing I just go in as well as yeah yeah I feel like that's like where you get to be like oh bless your heart for us (laughs) and then just walk away (laughs) prayers yeah yeah Yeah. so he went to the nursing facility in October of 2021 and we went and visited a few times we went in November we went at Christmas for a long visit that was too long that's when I realized we don't do long visits. We do three-day visits at the most. And the visits were terrible. He would just glare at me. And at one point I said, why are you looking at me like that? You're just glaring at me. And he goes, that's just how I look at you now. And I was like, oh, God. So yeah. stop. Yeah. yeah. I haven't done anything to you. Oh, yeah. My God. And I couldn't figure it out. I was like, I get that he's angry about being in the home. But I didn't have a choice. Here, my kid. I guess he's just going to be angry at me. I'll just take it. When he was in the home, was he participating in physical therapy, cognitive therapy, or was he just like refusing? He was refusing his meds. He was refusing the therapies. He was on his phone 24-7. He had a terrible, still has a terrible sleeping pattern where he sleeps all day and then is awake all night. And so he had just gotten his body off which didn't help when the kids were there and wanted to play with daddy during the day but he just completely would ignore me or just be ugly if he spoke to me i went with i don't have to participate in that yeah the kids are here to see you but i am the problem so i will disengage and be in another room right you need to make this worse after christmas i went home and i was in the cafe one day it was a tuesday my mom came in she said, how you doing, kiddo? And I burst into tears. And I was like, oh. I said, I feel like I'm purgatory. It's so bad. Every time I see him, every time I talk to him, every phone call, every FaceTime, it's so bad. She said, okay. She goes, it's okay, it's okay to tell God that you're tired and that you need out. And I think we both saw in that moment that it was going to be because Steve was going to pass because he still physically not well. Right. 
And I just remember praying with her and being like, all right, Lord, I'm exhausted. Show me my way out. I'm going to stay. I'm going to be a faithful wife until I can't be any longer, but you need to show me. And I thought it was going to be till death do us part. So it was Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, I got a text from him. He hadn't texted me in probably a month. And it said, you're going to hear this rumor about a nurse. The nursing home's probably going to call you. It's so middle school. I make one friend and everyone's up in arms about it. Anyway, they removed her from my care. She's not allowed to take care of me anymore because everyone's spreading these rumors. It's so dumb. And I was like, okay. I responded, are you cheating on me? And he said, no. Okay, never. And I said, okay, cool. And I just kind of left it at that. And I couldn't stop thinking about it all day. I was like, I have to just call the nurse. I just have to, I have to yeah. find out. They don't remove a nurse from your care over rumors. Rural Pennsylvania, yeah. have that many. So I called the facility the next day and I said, I got this text. I would just like some clarification. What's going on? Director said, we can't prove anything, but we think they're contacting each other over Messenger and we think there are shenanigans at night. And I was like, okay. She said, is there any way you can get into his Messenger app? I don't know the password, but I I texted him and I said, I need your Facebook login. And he said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Me. So I quickly plugged it in before he could realize what he had done and change his password. And it was just all right there. It was weeks and weeks of messages and very graphic explaining to each other what they wanted to do that night, what they liked about the night before, what their plans for pictures. And then they exclusively referred to me as the word and the C word. And oh I was. Oh my God. We're done. That level of disrespect. Like I, I wanted to be like, oh, it's the stroke. The stroke. He doesn't know better. But then there were messages saying like over Christmas saying, I'm going to sleep today. So I have some energy for you tonight. It, and I was like, our kids were there. Yeah. You all day while your kids were there. For nighttime uh, shenanigans. And so oh my God. I called the facility back and I was like, I found it. Here's the screenshot. And they called the police because he is mentally handicapped. And so there was question about whether or not yeah. he was capable of consent. And so the police took his phone and they were able to find not only that he was capable of consent, but he was the instigator of it. All the other women from before. Oh my. And there God. were. A plethora. Um, and so the officer called me. He goes, do you know what Jennifer is? And I was like, yeah. What's his old boss? Why? And he was like, yeah. Now I'm looking at naked pictures of him. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. And it just kept spiraling. You know an Ashley. You know an Amanda. Like, okay. And every time I kept, every, before the other women, I kept being like, it's the stroke. It's the stroke. I'm not going to divorce him, but I'm not going back. I right. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's not the stroke. This was a pattern that you developed well before. And as soon as you got a chance after, you were like, let's go. So I'm out. I'm taking my kids and I'm going because yeah. I've killed myself to keep you alive. To watch my kids be stressed out like that and be physically harmed for me to be treated that way. Like it just, it was over the top. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, oh, I got my out. Yeah. yeah. I asked how to get out. And a day later, I got it. That's yeah. crazy. It. And anytime I started to be like, maybe not, it was like another thing. Oh, by yeah. the way, the traveling addiction you didn't know about. Oh, by the way, he took out a second mortgage on your home that you didn't know about. No. Oh, by the way, it spiraled. Just two days ago, I found out about more fraud. So... Anytime I start to feel like maybe very clearly, you need to go, you need to yeah. take it, go and be safe yeah. and be free. Were you worried about the outside perspective of somebody whose, you know, husband has had a medical issue and now you're leaving them? Yeah, it was pretty public in my area when the stroke happened because the cafe was so new. It got on the news, right? It got up for the whole community rallied behind me, which is really sweet. But it yeah. also gave everyone the impression they had a right to information. Absolutely. Yeah. And so as 
really personal, hurtful things we're developing, I'm having to fill in the public on, yeah. hey, you're not going to get any more health updates from me because I, I shouldn't know his health anymore. Get me out of it. I don't have his best interest at heart. Yeah. <laughs> that was really difficult. And I, I did go back and forth with not saying anything. Do I just pretend that everything is fine? But there were a lot of reasons why I couldn't do that. The biggest one being people asking, how's your husband? I don't know. I don't know. And also, I don't have one of those. I haven't for nine years. And I had to be able to make medical decisions for the kids quickly because Ooh. thing with them is a medical emergency just by the nature of their disease ahead. Yeah. So I needed to have in writing that I could do that without yeah. having to call and get the second parent's permission. And then also... I just deserve to be free. I know the truth that I worked really hard for this man and that I was willing to do anything for him to keep him in the home and to keep him alive and to keep him safe. And he was unwilling to do those things for himself. And so I can't make him. At one point he said to me, I got what I wanted when I came home and so I stopped trying. And I was like, how dare you? Look at these children. They are terrified to be out. And you're going to stop working. You have work to do. Yeah. I'm killing myself. But that was the attitude that he went into it with. Is I'm disabled now. And so you yeah. have to take care of me. What was his family's reaction? Because his parents must have found out because they were so close. Yeah. His family's reaction has been mixed. His parents at the very beginning were like, girl, get out of there. His dad said to me, I hope you have the dignity and self-respect to walk away. Wow. Wow. Thank you. I needed to hear that. I'm out. But since then, as custody has become more and more the forefront, it's gotten a little bit more, you left him or you deserted him. So I'm just, I am cautious around his family now. Yes. I don't see them often. And the kids have been back to Pennsylvania maybe once since then. It's just hard on them to go. Really yeah. hard. And then it's a hard transition back. Did you have a conversation with him after all of this came out to tell him that you were dead? Yeah, I did. I asked him, he texted and said, I guess you saw my messages where I was flirting, LOL. Flirting. Like, yeah. A little more than oh, that. No. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And so I just asked him, point blank. I said, did you have sex with this woman? And he was like, oh, no. And I was like, okay, did you have oral sex with this woman? And he was like, yeah, but I never finished. So it doesn't count. And I was like, sir. Oh my God. I said, first of all, I don't believe you and absolutely not. And so we had maybe three discussions before it got to a point where I was like, I can't have these discussions with you anymore. I'm done. When he got served the paperwork, he was like, I guess I have a year to win you back. And it has a one year wait. Ew. And I said, oh, don't try. Please don't waste my time and please don't put me in a position where I have to be constantly rebuffing you for a year. That's not fun for me. I blocked him at that point and we had, so if he wanted to call his kids, he had to do it when his parents were there so that there was buffer between. Mm-hmm. I unblocked him at one point because his parents needed me to get him some information and I was immediately met with nude pictures of myself that he had taken without my knowledge or consent. What? It was like, I'm just returning these to you because they don't belong to me anymore. And I was like, they never belongs to you i didn't know you had taken those and i would not have been okay with what, what the, the hell, hell? Oh, i know <laughs> my god blocked um, again i was like well yeah that's why we block, <laughs> that's why we block. yeah uh, yeah and then his sister was there visiting him at the time i said this is mortifying but i need you to go through his phone and find any of the explicit pictures of me and delete them because yeah. i don't want those on the internet someday yeah. And did she do it? Do you trust yeah. that? It, she was like, oh, I haven't seen your baby. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real good. Thankfully, she has been really supportive and she's watched the good. kids a lot. And she and her husband are stationed nearby. So okay. we see quite a bit of her. But I don't want to take the kids from that family. They're still grandma and grandpa. They're still oh, aunties. Yeah. I just don't want them around the ugliness. So until that's resolved, I'm just being really careful about it. Yeah. And will he likely just live there forever? He'll always be in care? Yeah, he'll always be in care. He's not yeah. in a position where he can come out of care. It's 24-7. He needs help. He gets medicines yeah. around the clock. He has to get 
in the middle of the night and your parents yeah. are older they're not yeah. in where they can be physically moving at all and his dad has the same genetic condition he does and so he has to be careful and his dad now we know oh that's why your kidney ruptured all those years ago so just working on being careful with him that means keeping him in care and he yeah. can out he can go to the church he can go whatever you right. know, to dinner, but it's short trips and then back so if he would have been able to be in that rehab facility for six months like he was supposed to and if he actually worked and did the things he was supposed to do would he be in a better position now you know that's the great unknown the doctors would say yes that if he had six months of full and intense inpatient rehab he could be walking again. They would say he could be living a completely different life than he is. Mm-hmm. So much depends on him and also the damage to his brain. Yeah. Right. It's that if his brain does not get blood flow, was his brain young enough to re- redirect all of right. yours? I don't, we don't know. But I've at least been in a position where he would have been safer at home. I had one of the doctors just this past year, I ran into her and she said, how's he doing? And I said, well, he's in a nursing facility. He got right out of one of our children. And she said, oh, it's always a concern that might happen. And I said, and you sent him home. Yeah, thanks for telling me. Or sending him home if you thought that might happen. Or could yeah. have. And you should have told me. I had a right to that knowledge. So that was infuriating. Yeah. And so how do you yeah. not punch stuff? And how do you, when somebody finds out there's like infidelity and they end a marriage or... It's like, there's just so much more to it than that. And you got to be the proverbial punching bag of the aftermath of his injury. And then this, like what a final slap to the face. Yeah. I think it was helpful that he was in a different state and could not get to me. And that Mm -hmm. I did have to share the kid. There wasn't a necessity for me to go and be around him for a while. Yeah. That was helpful. And I recognized that as a situation that a lot of single moms are not. The other things are I'm in therapy every week. I got diagnosed with PTSD. And so I take medications for them regularly because I wouldn't survive without them. Being in a good church, I have a really big community around me. I did not know how big my village was and recognizing that it was my village and not his. They rallied around me. And I have a group of women in my life who I know I can call and be like, Deb, can you pick up my kids today? I can't. And I know that there's someone that's going to bring me a wine and cry on the couch with me. Even last night, I was working an event and just had the passing thought of, oh, I need to text Steve and tell him I'm going to be late tonight. And I was like, oh, I don't do that anymore. And I could turn to my friend immediately and say, gosh, I just thought I should text Steve. And she was like, come here. Give me a hand. So having that, I haven't had real women friendships growing up that wasn't a thing for me but to have that now as an adult is really sweet it's a big part of the reason why i'm upright and yeah. there are days that i am angry and yeah. i lash out i have to apologize to my kids for being short-tempered and there are days that i don't want to make dinner and i think it's easy to put on a good face because i have to because i'm the only person that's gonna get them to school and i'm the only person that's gonna pay the bills but I try to be honest with them too. I was having a rough day today. They've seen me crying. My eight-year-old will be like, why are you crying? I miss daddy. Why don't you just stay married to daddy? Well, daddy made it so I can't. And it's okay to be sad. I think just having that outlet of knowing I can be emotional and I can be vulnerable in front of whoever is around me and allowing myself that has been really helpful too. Of just, I'm going to feel what I'm feeling, hopefully in a way that doesn't hurt or distract anyone else. That's insane. I I have no words. (laughs) Yeah. Learned so much about grief this past year and about loss and about hurt. And I think before I, I had a pretty blase attitude towards it of just like everybody goes through hard things. Right. And now I'm definitely walking away going, I am so sorry. Everyone has so much pain. It's all so valid. Yeah. And I must be, it's like probably such a difficult grief that you feel. Oh my God. My dogs. Hang on. It's my dog has been the same. And then my kid is like, mom, there's this many minutes left on your timer. And I'm just like, set another timer. <laughs> I locked my door. It's like, I'm just going to lock it. Their friends yeah. are here. Play. I'll be fine. They're not going to notice I'm missing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was going to say, it's got to be such a weird grief that you go through because you're like grieving the loss of this 
marriage that you thought you had with this person you thought you knew. And it's like the first layer of grief is that like the grief of them being like healthy in the way you think that life is going to be. And then you're just like knocked down again. And it's like now you're grieving what you thought your life was, but they're still alive. Yep. I'm having a reconstructive decade to look back and be like, when he brought me those flowers that night, it was because I was on to something and he was trying to, when he actually said yes to a vacation, well, because I was on to something and he was yeah. distracted. It's hard. It's really hard. And to also, you second guess yourself. I'm a smart woman. I'm good at what I do. I'm kind. How could I have gotten myself into a position where I was being treated like this for so long? And then to not see it and then miss him. I miss who I thought he was. So it's just, it messes with your mind. I've had to do a lot of compartmentalizing and scaring. I'm not thinking about that today. I do that too. I lock things away in my brain. I'm like, we will deal with that another day. Not today. I put notes in my phone. I'll always be like, I need to unpack this with my therapist. I'm like, why is it that when I'm up and then I like put it away and I'm like, I'll deal with it in therapy. Yeah. I do that with my kids too. I'm like, they'll bring something to me. And they don't want to talk about it, especially the eight-year-old. He'll just mention things off the cuff. And then he'll, he won't want to dive into it. I'm like, it would be a great thing to mention to your therapist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to talk to you about it. Or you could tell your horse. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And then he, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm like, great. Oh, and how? So it's been about a year that you've started since you've started your business or just over? I've had the catering business for five years. And I ran it out as my home, which is not strictly illegal. Wow. But it was so small. It was like yeah. for friends and private chef dinners. And then it exploded. So I had the cafe for a little over a year. Nice. Wow. And how is it going? Great. We are busy every weekend. We're booked up through 2023 and starting to book 2024, which is exciting. Amazing. Amazing. And we just did last weekend, we did our biggest wedding event yet. It was an Indian American wedding. So it was like, days oh, of celebration. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Good. And it was really fun. I still have the henna on from it because it was actually for my friends. They were getting married then. So it's been fun to take what I'm one place in my life that I feel confident. Like I know what I'm doing in the kitchen to come visit and try one of those pop tarts. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Well, but we just figured out shipping. So we don't oh, ship. Cool. <laughs> oh We're going to have to have like taste. I'll do like a tasting, like yeah. a podcast tasting of pop tarts. thank you so much for taking an afternoon out from your life you've got kids and a business and a dog and you know the whole thing so I really appreciate it yeah I'm not having me on it was so nice to meet you both and see your faces and it's really cool to put like faces to the podcast totally it's so great meeting you it's meeting you too have a good day thank you we'll be in touch really soon Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. Thank you so much to today's guest and to everyone for listening. If you're enjoying the show, there are many ways that you can help our podcast grow. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Join us on our Patreon. Follow us on social media. Check out our merch store. Share our show with your friends. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please message us on IG or Facebook. Have a great week and thank you so much for your support. Bye. Bye. Why are they still here? I don't know. What should we do? Mm, I guess I'll just turn up that outro music. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.